We've had a good day already, haven't we? Man, God bless you. Thank you. So I'm Rick. I'm just one of the ministers here on staff with all of you here at First City. And this summer, we've been trekking through this series called Running with the Giants. It comes from a book uh, John Maxwell wrote, actually two different books, where he talked about all these great men and women in history that you read about in the Word of God and in Scriptures, and they're all up in heaven, and, and they are, are this blanket of this, this whole arena of voices cheering on your name. And you can read about it in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where it said that they have formed this great cloud of witnesses. And it's, it's, it's like they're in this huge stadium, and they're watching you run your life around this racetrack. Sometimes it just feels like I'm just going in a big circle all the time, right? I just keep running. And they're like cheering you on. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Stay faithful. You can make it. You can make it. And they're like, strip off, throw off everything that can weigh you down, the sin that can trip you up, and let's run with perseverance this race that God has said before us. In other words, what he's recognizing is it's not easy, right? This life is not easy. And, and there are times when it just weighs us down, and it feels like it's, it's hard. And that's why we root for each other. That's why we pray over each other, and we don't let each other go. Man, God bless your family. Thank you for bringing life into us today. I loved all those teenagers coming down. And we got to just pour into them more, right? The things of God in their life and protect them from the enemy. Now, this card that you have in the pew rack in front of you, this lift off with love, uh, let me tell you why this is important. It's just, I mean, when Savannah or Taryn or somebody comes up here and they just make announcements, there, it's, just, it's not just an announcement. It's an opportunity to get involved, and we don't bring opportunities that we don't think move you somewhere. And this one is really important because it's for foster kids who are children, now young men and women, young adults, as they time out of state funds. What that means is the state will help in homes and support these children all the way up until they get graduate from high school, and once they start going to college, that funding stops. And so they time out from that, but they don't time out from being our family, right? We, that we still are going to protect them and serve them and, and be their family, especially now that they're breaking free and they're going out on their own. And so all of these are just individual items, and you need to know that God has already expanded the lift ministry way beyond the walls of this church building. He has been so faithful, so great to this ministry and to the people who are serving in it in just a few short months. And so some of this may go to some people from our church, but a bunch of it will go to other foster children who are going to be going to college, and they need to know somebody still cares. And so you're going to become family and part of the helping support structure for their life as they go to these next phases of their life. And they need to know you're not alone. We're still with you. And so pick an item or two items or three items, whatever it is that you can do, whatever it is that you can afford, and take a step, get involved, do something, and bring it in and put it in our left room, in our left ministry by the 21st. Amen. God bless you and thank you for, for all of that. And so today, I've asked Elisha if he'd come out of the stand. So you got this great cloud of witnesses, and one of them is Elisha. He was a prophet of God. He's in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to be in 1 Kings 19. We're going to jump at a couple of verses in 2 Kings chapter 2, and then several verses in 2 Kings chapter 3. But Elisha 
was someone who wondered if his life would ever count for anything. And so this is the idea for our sermon today. If you've ever wondered if your life counts, when you wonder, is God watching? Does God care about me at all? Does anybody care? I, I, I don't even know that my life means anything to anybody. Oftentimes I just feel worthless. I feel abandoned. I feel alone. Give God your best wherever he puts you. Give your best wherever God puts you. Now, in Elisha's case, he followed a great prophet named Elijah. But in Elisha's case, all he ever wanted to do is serve God. But his life didn't feel like he was serving God in a powerful way. In fact, I want to show you the vantage point from what Elisha saw Every day of his life. That's Elisha's life. He was a farmer. And the Bible says that he had 12 team of oxen. So two oxen and there was a plow behind it. And he was on the 12th team. Now he owned all of them. But the best ones were number one, two, and three. And so as the owner, he took the worst oxen who were undisciplined and the hardest to control, gave all of his workers the best oxen, and that's what he looked at every day. Every day, he looked up the wrong end of life and everything that comes with it. And so, as he's just going through life, imagine what comes out of the back of two oxen in the middle of a hot day when you're sweating and all of that pile of life falls at your feet and you smell like that and you look like that and that's all you stare at day after day after day after day and you wonder does my life count for anything and I know some of you maybe a bunch of us feel like man that's my life I'm going to go to work tomorrow, and that's what I'm going to stare at. Some people and some business, and it's all, it all stinks. And it falls in front of me, and all I want to do is get out of there. I'm going to go home, and it's going to feel like that. My children are going to talk to me like that. My finances look like that. My future. Does God even care? How do I change my perspective on life? How, how do I escape a view of life that's looking at the wrong end and change it to where I'm doing something in the name of the Lord that means something? So that's what we're going to be talking about. And Elisha did that for years, for most of his life. That's what he's looking at. And so I've asked him if he'll come out of heaven's bleachers and if he'll come down and join us today and just walk a lap with us and tell us a little bit about his story and encourage us a little bit. And so let me remind you about what we're talking about. If When you wonder if your life counts, here's the bottom line. Get the notes out in front of you and get a pen and fill in the blanks. Give your best wherever God puts you. Give your best wherever God puts you. You might feel like it doesn't count for anything. 
You might feel like it's a big old pile of manure. You may feel like you're not going anywhere. You may feel like this view of my life stinks. But give God your best because he's watching. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you an Old Testament story, and I want to partner it with New Testament principles. So I want you to hear the Old Testament story, but I want you to see Jesus in the story. Because you'll never see his name in the story, but he, I'm going to let him speak his principles that come from this story that we'll find in the Gospels. All right, so here we go. Give your best in obscurity, and God will reward it. Wherever you are, number one, give your best in obscurity. In, when you think nobody's watching, when you think you're doing meaningless tasks, when you feel like it, 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 it all stinks, it's all a bad view. Nobody cares. Nobody's watching. It's just me. Give your best in obscurity, and God will reward it. And so here's the verse of Scripture, 1 Kings 19, verse 19. So Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Saphat, at plowing a field. And there were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Pause. So Elisha is, 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 a, is a, just a humble servant. He owns all 12 teams. And this is what you need to know. He was not a poor man. Nobody unless they were very wealthy, had 12 team of oxen. He owned a big field. He owned a lot of oxen. He had people working for him, and he chose to take the hardest job. So just because I said his life stinks and he's looking at the wrong end of oxen, I'm not saying that he was poor in any way. He was a very wealthy man. Now, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because there's, see, there was still something inside Elisha that was crying out for more. You have a job. You have some money in your bank account. You don't have to worry about how you're going to eat lunch today or dinner tonight or breakfast tomorrow morning. You, you have some things taken care of. But there's still a gnawing going on inside you that you just can't escape you want to know god is with you it's not about how much money you have in the bank it's not about how comfortable you are in life is there not something inside you that yearns for more and that's where elisha was he probably did not enjoy getting up and being a part of his life and what he had to look at every day but more than that he wanted to do something for God. He just needed to know that God was there. But he was faithful in his obscurity. He did the right things all day long, every day, day after day after day. And God was watching. And God rewarded it. Jesus gives you this same principle over in Matthew chapter 6. Look at what Jesus said. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. In other words, God's watching what you're doing. Right now, He's watching what you're doing. He's watching how you handle the life that you have in front of you, even if it stinks. And He's wanting to know if He can trust you with more. There's, uh, there, you know, I love a bunch of I love you all. 
But I want to tell you one story about somebody who is sitting in our auditorium today, and she has given me permission to share a, a little bit about her life with you. Uh, Suzanne and I love Brian and Randy Lawrence, and and, uh, and Randy is in here. I remember when Randy was a single young woman. She had a job. She had a really good job, actually, uh, but she was empty, and she wanted to know that God was in her life and that he would bless her, but she went through some dark days. I'm not saying that she did anything wrong, because she has always chased after God, uh, and she came and she talked, and we would sit in this back room, and, and she would just cry. And I can remember the day that she said, I cannot tell you one prayer that I believe God has answered in my life. Where is he? Why isn't he listening to me? And my wife would hug her, and Cherish would hug her, and, and I had no answers. I'm not just going to make stuff up. The best sometimes you can do with people is just sit in the pain and offer up hope. But this is what I want you to know. If you're sitting in that kind of a situation today and you believe that, man, I don't see any evidence where God's answering my prayers. I don't see at all how he's with me or blessing me or helping me at all. And it hurts. It's painful. And I don't like being here. You need to know, if Elisha were to come out of the bleachers, he would say, that was all my life. And I was crying out for God, please use me in your service. Please do something. And not one time did he ever answer me. But I just kept every day doing the right thing. And one day, God rewarded it. Boy, has God rewarded Randy Lawrence. She gave him the best husband that a woman can have. Not that that's a knock on any of you others. I would say the same thing to your wives, husbands. Okay. She gave him a great husband, two unbelievable boys. And God is using her in powerful ways now. I bet if you were to say, hey, Randy, how's life? Do you believe that God is with you and answering your prayer? I, th I think she would say, yes. She would say yes in ways she had no idea. And God is so good. Thank you, Randy, for letting me share some of your story. Because I know today in this room there's got to be somebody who's in that same situation. And I'm just telling you, God's watching you. And he's working for you. You stay faithful because he'll reward you. Let me tell you the next part of the story. So now go on to number two. Give your best in small things, and God will give you bigger things to do. Give your best, even in the small things, and God will give you bigger things to do. That was one of the things I was so proud of with Randy, is that even though she was really, really struggling, we ended every session where she's like, I'm going to go and do the right thing. I'm going to do for uh, the position that she worked for at the time. I'm going to in the real estate and the stuff that she was doing. And with her roommate who worked at the zoo and brought all different kinds of animals home with her. That was, that was unique. But it was unbelievable. But she just kept being faithful in the small things. 
And God gave her bigger things. Look at what he says in 1 Kings chapter 19. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around a meal to the townspeople. They all ate, and then he went with Elijah as his assistant. So here's the deal. Elijah comes to him, and as he comes to him, in the verse before it, it said, Elijah takes his, his, his mantle, he has this cloak, and he puts it around Elisha's neck. And then Elijah walked away. And immediately, Elisha called all of his servants, called all of the oxen, gathered up all the plows. He sacrificed all of the oxen as a, as a sacrifice to God, fed all the townspeople through a big party, burned all the plows, gave up his field, and began to follow after Elijah. In other words, he's like, I'm willing to give up everything to follow God. I'll give up all my wealth, all my land, everything. I'm willing to give up everything compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'm willing to give it all up just to follow God. And he gave it all up to become a what? To become a man of God's assistant. And if you continue reading the story, what it says is that Elisha would hold the water basin as Elijah washed his hands before he would eat a meal. I've given up all my wealth. I've given up all my land. I've given up my occupation. I've given up that direction of my life just so that I can go be a servant, an assistant of God. Some people, boy, we all want leadership. Everybody wants to be in leadership. I want to be in charge. I want to be in charge. I want to be in Listen, you can't be a good leader until you become a good follower. Amen? Right? The best leaders were the best followers. Just be a, just serve God. And he'll raise you up. Right? Be faithful in the small things. And he'll give you more. I want to tell you about Randy. So Randy just stayed faithful. God brought her a husband. Oh, my goodness, what a good man. And God brought her a family, and then God gave her a ministry. She's the one who runs our lift ministry. And as it was created and as it just got started, it was obvious that God chose her to everybody. And she runs after it, and she's just creating these experiences and getting all these volunteers and now people across the state are calling and saying, hey, we want you to be part of Foster Florida. And hey, we want, and it's just starting to grow. And it's unbelievable what God has done in that ministry with your help. And if you're not involved, you need to be involved because God is doing a mighty work in that ministry. And it's not that you have to be a foster family just to have children in your own home. It's that we support foster families and that we, just like this other, we support those who are still foster children going to college. We just find ways to help them. And so God just called Randy into it. And so she just took charge and started doing it. And the blessings of God just started coming in. And it quickly moved from just this church to the county and out of the county. And now with these different cities in foster Florida, we'll still be sharing more of this stuff with you. And it's grown even bigger than that. And so I haven't even told her the last thing that happened with an email that I got but, uh, but I'm going to share it here in this sermon. But what I'm saying is this. You go from thinking, man, God doesn't care. I'm looking at the wrong side of life, and nobody cares what I'm doing. God's not listening. He's not watching, but he's just developing you. He's, he's creating your character. 
He's creating your long-suffering. He's building in you everything he needs for when it's really important. And he's going to hand you something that's going to overwhelm you if you haven't already been tested by fire. And that's what happened. And so God's getting involved. And so now look at what Jesus says about it in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. If you're faithful in the little things, Jesus said you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. God is watching. He's watching how we handle the little things. He's watching what you're doing with what he's already given you. And if you're faithful, he'll trust you with more. He'll know that he can trust you. Man, right now, I just want you to, I just want you to be faithful with your bank account. I just want you to be honest with your taxes. Because one day, I'm going to send somebody to you who needs to go to heaven. And I need to know that I can trust you with their soul. Because that's a big deal, right? I want to send you somebody who's been hurting or abused in a home. And I need to know that because you've been taking care of the little things, you're going to take care of these important ones in the kingdom of God. So God's growing and doing amazing things. Number three, give God your best in the natural and God will do the supernatural. Right? I want to preach at you a little bit. Give your, in the natural and, and God will do the supernatural. There are some things so great only God can do. Now, look at this in 2 Kings chapter 2. When they came to the other side, this is after eight years. Uh, Elisha got the mantle, sold all of his stuff, and he followed Elijah. And for somewhere between seven and ten years, we're unclear with the timeline, but best we can tell, about seven to eight years, Elisha just served Elijah. He was just an assistant. All he did was serve. He just served. He just served. And after eight years, Elijah came at the end of his life. And when they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken away? My life is about over. I'm about to go be with God. What can I do for you? How can I pray for you? How can I help you? What can I do? Man, I'm just, that's all emotional to me. Because that's what my father did for me before he passed away this past March. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to ask, you might as well ask. If you're going to go for something, you might as well get it all. Elisha, you're a powerful man. You're so powerful. I remember that time that you went down, and there were all those false prophets of Baal, over 800 of them, and they're like, you got a God, and we got a God, and our God's bigger than your God. And Elijah's like, are you kidding me? You know, God, let's build some altars, and you pray for fire, and I'll pray for fire, and we'll see whose God is real. And they did. And when Elijah prayed, and fire came from heaven and consumed his altar, he whipped out his sword, and he said, God's going to burn this altar up, and if you're still alive when the smoke clears, I'm going to take you down by the edge of the water, and I'm going to kill you in the name of the Lord because you have defiled the living God and hurt and killed his people and his children. Elijah, you are a powerful man. You are a power. And Elisha's like, man, I've just been serving behind two oxen rear ends all my life. All I did was just step in poo. 
And I think I want to be twice the man you are. Now, by the way, let me just stop and give you some preacher talk. It's really unclear in the Hebrew exactly what this double portion means. It's one of two things. I actually think it means the second that I'm about to tell you. One is, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want to stand as strong and as, and as tall, and I want, to, I want God to use me twice, you know, what he's used. Maybe that's what he's saying. In Hebrew, I think the better translation is when he said, I would like two-thirds of your spirit. In other words, Elisha, you're, Elijah, you're a powerful man of God. And if I'm just two-thirds the man that you are, I'll be blessed by God. And just really kind of humbly coming in and saying, I don't know that God will ever use me as powerfully as he used you, Elijah, but I sure hope that he'll use me at least some. So those are the two different ways you can really interpret this scripture. Either way, Elisha wants more. I want more. I want more. And only God can do more. So, let's go back to our story. One woman was crying out to God. And he was faithful to her. And the whole ministry in our church has started. And she's directing and leading it. And we were just faithful with the five families here that had foster kids. And then it moved up to nine. And now it's moving bigger than that. And it's going across our county. And hopefully also into other cities. And word is getting out across the city. Now, as word gets out, what would it be like if all of a sudden I were to say, you know what, Baptist Hospital is going to be moving. They're going to be building a new facility, and it's going to be right where Gateway Church of Christ is. That news is already out, right? Everybody knows the Baptist Hospital is moving, and they're building a brand new facility. Well, what are they going to do with their old facility? Well, what would it be like if I just called them up, and I just said, hello, Baptist Hospital. My name is Rick Hazel. I'm senior pastor over at First City Church. And I just, uh, I want to come and meet with you and tell you what I think you should do with your building. They would say, <laughs> who did you say you are? What is your name? I've never heard of you. <laughs> right? I mean, how arrogant would that be to say, hey, Baptist Hospital, can we come and tell you what we think you should do with that building that you're going to abandon when you build your nice new facility? And praise God, you're building some nice new facilities. But would you believe this? I get an email, and on the email, it says, on July 29, at 6 p.m., two people request your attendance to come and talk about what we can do to purpose this building to serve a hurting community. And the two people are... Mark Faulkner, CEO of Baptist Hospital, and Jennifer Graves, VP of External Relations. Did you know about that, Randy? You're faithful with little. You just do what God, what God has called you to do. And next thing you know, you get an email out of the blue where God has extended your influence in a way, there's no way we could have done that on our own. And God just says, I want you to come and show up at this night, in this room, at this time, and there are two people, and they want to hear from you, what would you do with this building? What do you think we need to do in the hurting needs of our community? And how can we use this building to help you 
bless our community. Is God not good? If God is good, if you're not involved in any of that, you're missing out on a work of God. And if you, if you look at everything else in your life and you don't see God moving, you don't feel his presence, you don't feel overwhelmed by the next room that he's about to walk you into, then you need to get involved with Lyft. And you need to be part of a move of God. Don't let the opportunity pass you by. And we're about to sign everybody up all over again. Randy has a way you can do that. And you can talk with her about it if you want. But I'm just telling you, we're faithful with what we can see. And God's doing way more than what we ever asked or imagined. And Jesus said it this way. John 14, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. And you can ask for anything in my name and I'll do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This is what we ask God. We want to radically impact foster care in this county, actually in the four counties around us, and within five years, we want to eliminate our foster care crisis. That's a big prayer, because we can't accomplish that without God. And he's going before us. Actually, we feel like, God, you're moving faster than we know how to move. But I'm telling you, we're just going to hold on and say yes. I love Jesse Long. Yeah, Jesse and Taryn Howell. And Jesse's like, I have stopped saying no to God. Now, you want to test your faith? Here's your one. I've stopped saying no. Anytime an open door comes my way, I just say yes. Is your faith that big? Man, don't miss out on a move of God. If Elijah is still walking with you, he's like, can I just encourage you with a couple of things before I go back? Number one, learn how to cultivate the presence of God in your life. Learn how to cultivate the presence of God in your life. He had this situation where three kings came together, Israel and Judah were part of it, and they were going against a king that had hurt and wounded and killed God's people year after year after year, and they're like, we're not going to take it anymore, we're not going to take it. That's a soundtrack playing in the background. And so they come, and they, they're standing on there like, we're going to go, we're going to do something about this, and so they go to call on the name of the Lord, but for seven days, there's been no rain, they have no water, they've run out of their water. And they said, is there anybody here who hears the voice of God? And somebody says, Elisha does. Well, go bring Elisha. So Elisha came over, and look at what it says in verse 15. Elisha said, now bring me someone who can play the harp. And while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. Now, that just sounds weird. We're going to go into battle. Yeah! And I need a warrior. Yeah! And he comes in, and it's a harpist. That's, that's not quite what I was looking for. I'm looking for somebody a little bit more manly than a harpist, right? But what he was doing is like, it's not about your strength. It's not about how powerful you are. It's about, have you discovered that power comes from being in the presence of God? And when he started playing the harp and people started worshiping, it stirred the heart of God. And God got involved. The presence of God transforms lives. You want your life to be transformed? Learn how to worship with all your heart. Learn how to let yourself go and worship. It's the enemy that puts your hands in your pockets. Learn how to just worship God and just sit somewhere and read his word. 
turn on Caleb or some other worship music. Just offer up your own simple prayers to God. And in the presence of God, transformation occurs. Acts 4.13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, two fishermen. They're just two fishermen. They're just ordinary men. They could see they're ordinary men. They got no special training in scriptures. There's only one thing that separates them from us. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That's all. What separates you from everybody else at your work? What separates you? People can tell that you've been with Jesus. And when he goes before you, people see a powerful person. And they want more of that. Have you, fa- have you discovered that yet? Number two, at some point, you have to wake up and do something. <laughs> I mean, it's good to dream. I got dreams. I want to change my vantage point. I don't want to look at the rear end of oxen. I want to do something. At some point, I got to quit talking about it. And I got to do it. Now, in your outline, it says 2 Kings 3.16. This is what the Lord says. This valley will be filled with pools of water. But the better translation is the NIV. And look at what it says in the NIV. He said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. He gave everybody a shovel. Oh, you want to see the power of God? You're all thirsty. You have no water. Get a shovel and go to work. And all that army just started digging a bunch of ditches they just started digging digging a bunch of holes you talking about thirsty they were thirsty sweating no water digging 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 that's how life feels isn't it i'm just digging every day i'm grinding just trying to make something out of this and i'm thirsty for more i can't find life in anything when will it end because that man you got to go if you want a blessing of God, quit talking about it and start doing something. And everybody wants to be blessed by God. Right? But not everybody wants to do what it takes to be blessed by God. I just did a funeral for a 92-year-old woman in Atlanta, Georgia yesterday. And one of the thoughts of her life that she shared with people is when you're young, a lot of people reject God. But when you're my age, nobody wants to be rejected by God. And the wise man in Ecclesiastes 12 said, Remember him when you're young, before the days grow old, and you can't find him. Now that's for somebody. You might reject him when you're young, but you don't want him to reject you when you're old. Nobody does. So do something, change, get on a different path, go to work, dig a ditch. And listen what happens next. Don't base your life on the seen, but on the unseen. In in verse 17, it says this, you will see neither wind nor rain. You just dig, you dig, you dig, you go to work, you change, you do something. And you're not going to see God working. You're not going to feel any wind. You're not going to feel any rain. You're not going to see God working. But trust me. He's there. He's working. But the valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and other animals. This is only a simple thing for the Lord. He will make you victorious over the army of Moab. 
God is waiting to bless your life. And in that Second Corinthian passage, therefore, we don't fix our eyes on what we can see. We fix our eyes on the unseen, where God lives. So here's the point of the whole thing as we wrap this all up and move in toward communion. You never saw Jesus' name on any of those pages in the book of Kings, first or second. But he's all over them. Because what Jesus did while we were sinners, Christ came. He left heaven. And when you're looking at the hind end of a dirty life and you felt like your life wasn't going anywhere, Jesus came and humbled himself as a servant and gave up his life and was beaten, spat on, and crucified and died in your place so that he could bring you life. And all he's saying is, trust me. I know there are times when it just feels like it's dark and nobody's listening and nobody cares, but he does. And he's purifying you and he's preparing you. One day he'll set you free and he'll give you so much of his goodness. It'll be hard to contain it all. God is faithful. And today he's calling you to do something.